So, did you find out about the twists in this movie from watching it, or did you like hear about it? So, I I kind of feel like I was under a rock when it comes to this movie. Sure. Um, because I was yesterday years old. Um, oh, when you that was your, this is your first time seeing it. Yeah, I really. Uh, this is a really strange blind spot for me because I mean I was definitely too young to even be half interested in trying to see it. No, you were like eight when this came out for sure. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I just don't. I don't remember. The only thing I remember from this movie were you know people walking around whispering, "I see dead people." Okay. Like. So I didn't know what it was about, except for obviously a child can see dead people. Sure. Um, I, 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 do, I knew nothing. I knew nothing. Like, I, it just, I think we all have those movies that we feel like, oh, I guess I was just, I just missed this. Or like, I was completely right. under a rock for because it was so huge. But yeah, I didn't know that there was a twist even. Like, I knew nothing. I knew Got nothing. It. Yeah. Copy. What about you? <laughs> so I did see this movie when it came out. I, my mom had like gotten it from Blockbuster or something like that, mm-hmm. um, or Village Video. I don't even remember if that was still alive at the time. But yeah, I, I definitely watched this as a kid in 1999 or 2000. So I had seen the, I've seen this a few times. Yeah. But one of my very good friends, who I believe does listen to us a good amount, uh, Josh Tumblin, we grew up together. So he and his sister, his sister was in town from college. We were in high school, and the two of them had rented two movies. Yeah. That they had never seen. One was Fifty First Dates and the other was a Sixth Sense. They decided they were like, ah, oh, you know, I'm more in the mood for a comedy tonight. So they watched Fifty First Dates. Josh had managed to keep himself like completely blind on this movie because he wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. But he just hadn't gotten around to it. And so he had no idea what happened in the movie. I, I, okay. I had seen him like walk out of rooms when this movie was being discussed. Because he didn't, he was like, I know that there's a twist, but we I don't want to. Yeah, we love commitment. Josh yeah. is the king of committing to bits. I I learned everything I know from him. He's also the reason that I generally don't watch a lot of trailers anymore. Like I try to yeah. get myself blind on movies, and that was him. He was the one who got me doing that. Gotcha. Uh, for the last like, tw- uh, fucking almost twenty years. So, anyhow, in Fifty First Dates, there is a line where Drew Barrymore says, "I didn't realize he was dead the whole time," and Josh. Has never now never finished Fifty First Dates and <gasps> never seen The Sixth Sense. He was so angry he turned oh, off so the movie. So they're talking about about yep. The Sixth Sense yep. and oh my god, you're so right because I've seen I've seen Fifty First Dates. Yeah, um, that is a horror film. I will stand by that. Yeah, I that, do not. I do not stand by. Someone once described it as <laughs> what's that movie where the guy date rapes a woman constantly? Oh my god! <laughs> yikes! Yikes! Um. Yeah, that's a that's an amazing story, though. Yeah, and I, I think about it every time I think about this movie in particular because, like, he and I, he he likes Shyamalan more than I do. Yeah, my favorite is The Village. Uh-huh. Um, I really actually enjoyed that movie. I thought it was really well done. I did not like Adrian Brody playing a um, mentally disabled person in that, but uh, other than that, it's a good movie. Right. It's just very well acted. Like Jeff, uh, not Jeff Bridges, um, the guy who was in the the, the newsroom, uh, Jeff Daniels. Okay. Uh, he's fantastic in it. He's, I think it was him. My memory's hazy. Anyhow. And wait, was it Adrian Brody or was it... No, Joaquin Phoenix is in it as well. It's all. It's like a whole bunch of people. And like oh, Bryce wow. Dallas Howard is in it. 
Um, it's it's a good movie. Like it it is the one where like the twist seems sort of stupid, but I like the twist in that one more. Yeah. But I'll keep you uh, in the dark for that. We can watch it one time. It is legitimately scary though. Oh. Okay. It's very well done. Great. Um, scarier than this is. <laughs> hey babe. Yeah babe. Remember that time we watched The Sixth Sense? You mean the movie that launched M Night Shyamalan's career to the point that we still have to deal with him doing dumb movies? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being mean already. Yeah, I know. You're you are coming out the gate. I'm Nicole. I'm Topher. And we're the Horror Babes. Correct. And welcome back to Ghost Stories Month. Of Cha. course, we're covering The Sixth Sense, where a child sees literal ghosts. All the time. Just so oh, many just ghosts. All the time. So just in case this is your first episode here, I'm going to give you a rundown of how we do this. Yeah. So uh, first, Topher is going to take us through who made this thing. Uh, shout out the cast and crew, and then I'll take us through the plot, and then mm-hmm. in our third installment, we will analyze said plot. Gonna analyze the hell out of it. Oh, yeah. So, Topher, who made this thing? So, yeah, this was uh, from M. Night Shyamalan. This is really, like I said earlier, the one that launched his career. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, his first feature. He had done shorts before that. Um, he had Praying with Anger and Wide Awake before this. Okay. But this was his, like, actual first, Both like, major Ka- Katie feature. Katy Perry songs. Praying with anger, maybe. <laughs> it sounds like it. I know. I'm, I'm. It's the kind of thing that Benny Blanco would write for her. Ex- yeah, exactly. That was that was the joke. Yes, <laughs> I understood it. It just took me a second. I'm very tired. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he followed it up with Unbreakable, and then Signs, and then The Village, and Lady in the Water, The Happening, which is the dumbest movie ever. The Last Airbender, which is one of the worst movies ever. Yikes! After Earth, The Visit, which actually is supposed to be kind of interesting. Um, then he did Split, and everybody loved that. Then he did Glass, and everybody was like, eh. And it just came, he just dropped uh, Old, which just came out this year, where it's the beach oh, that makes you old. Oh, right. Okay. It's the beach that makes you old. I want to see it, though. I, I do, too. That. Like, I'm going to... like I, I'm a glutton for punishment when it comes to him, because I'm need, always... I, he always gets me. He always hooks me in. I've seen everything he's done. I need to catch up on a lot of very, very recent... Um, thriller horror films, sci-fi films that have come yeah. out. I, I'm I'm very behind in that regard, and I think it's because the list never gets shorter. Yeah, and and I think it's because you know for for these purposes, for podcast purposes, we're often going <laughs> back a little bit. Right. We do we do a contemporary, you know, very contemporary one every once in a while. But I think I just don't have time. <laughs> I need I need to dedicate a day, like a rainy day, where I just like go through all the yeah very new ones, like the last year. No, absolutely. I'm I'm in the same boat. But yeah, so for our cast, we have. Bruce Willis as Malcolm Crow, Haley Joel Osment as Cole Sear, Tony Collette as his mother Lynn Sear. We love Tony Collette. Yes, Tony Collette is mommy. Yes, and this is a—I should say—this is a baby Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. This is like this is kind of what launched his career too. Um, he's done a lot of great stuff since then. I think he's fantastic at every time I see him. Um, yeah. He's a very good actor, uh, and it started when he was young. You know. Yeah. Um. Also funny to me that Emily Osment mm-hmm. is his sister. And I yeah. always forget that. Like from Hannah Montana. Mm-hmm. I always forget that that's... They look exactly alike. They do, but it doesn't <laughs> It doesn't hit my brain right. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, I, I absolutely love Haley Joel Osment. I just want to say that because he's so fucking good. Um, we had this like weird obsession with child actors in the 90s. 
before yeah, we, then too. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it comes in waves a little bit, but I just remember in the nineties there was a big surge of like people being obsessed with child actors. Totally. Yeah, there was a there was a series there where it just kept happening. Because I just um, remember hearing, I mean, the early '90s and I mean late '80s too was Macaulay Culkin, right? That yeah, was like that obsession. Yeah. Andrew and, Barrymore as well. Yes, yes, and then you get, um, and then you get Haley Joel Osment because that's the other thing that I would hear about this movie is like, oh my god, this child is so good, you know, like yeah, totally a star. You had you know, uh, <laughs> uh, it, the same year we had the Phantom Menace, the first Star Wars yeah. prequel movie, mm-hmm. and that's uh, uh, what Jake Lloyd. Yeah. And he's the same type, that like bowl cut, exactly. like sandy blonde white kid. A little kid. blonde um, white kid. Yeah. And then we had, we had you know, Full House, totally. the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was late 80s, very early 90s, and then and went on into the mid 90s. But it was all, like, I remember watching that show being like, oh, man, the Olsen twins, they're so funny. Yeah, like, and, and we have the Olsen twins. Like, yeah. let's not forget about that fucking franchise. We were very into, like, the sort of, like, cheruby look, you know? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of creepy to me now. Yeah, looking backwards, I'm like, I really hope no one touched those kids. Uh. <laughs> no, it's, it's just, it's very creepy to me. Yeah. Now. But, yeah, in the 90s, we were obsessed with, like, these little blonde white kids. Even on to, like, Asa Butterfield when he was young. Yeah. He was, he's always creeped me out, though, the way he looks. He's a very good actor. I like him a lot. He's so good in sex education, but, like... Yeah. His face just scares me. Yeah, and it's weird because, like I said, it comes in waves because um, there's probably something in between this, but, like, in the 70s, you had, like... Donny Osmond and then you had Michael Jackson right and they both had the same like you know that high unchanged voice Mm -hmm. you know like prepubescent like it's weird we as like a society we get like weirdly and then we had we had Hanson too yeah in the 90s they were children yeah they were they were babies (laughs) like the drummer was weird Zach is the drummer or whatever he was like eight yeah he's my first love oh other than Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Fair enough. He's a he's a beefcake. <laughs> Big old himbo that sucks, I, but I love him. I scared my entire family. They were like, shit, if she she's in love with the bad guy at two <laughs> years old. He's the only name that I could say. It was like one of my first words was Gaston. That's adorable. I did not know this about you. <laughs> yes. I'm learning this now. My family was very terrified. <laughs> uh, but to round out our cast, we have Olivia Williams as Anna Crow. Trevor Morgan as Tommy Tomasino, Simo, mm-hmm. and Donnie Wahlberg as Vincent Gray. We also there's a very young Misha Barton in here too. Really? Yeah. She, um, do you Is she the Kira- one of the ghosts? Kira. Um. So there's the Collins family. She's the daughter. Oh, oh, it, the one that gets the younger one, the one yeah. that gets saved. Okay, yeah, got it. Yeah. yeah, that's her. That's that's a baby Misha Barton. Now that you say it, I see it. You know, <laughs> right? It's one of those things. Um. But yeah. So, the only like I, I'm gonna shout out crew, but uh, weirdly, this was produced by Kathleen Kennedy, who owns Lucasfilm. Yeah. the The music, the score was done by James Newton Howard. Right. Very good. I I, I love the score to this movie. It's very well done. Mm-hmm. Tak Fujimoto for our other uh, Star Wars tie-in was our DP here. So Tak Fujimoto shot Star Wars. Oh. Like he shot a New Hope. Oh, okay. He wasn't yeah. the DP for it, but he was. That was like his breakthrough into the film industry. Was like he he had worked before that, but that was his big break. Mm-hmm. Um, was working in the camera department, like being a camera operator for that. Right. Um. But yeah, I it's I I do really like Taki Fujimoto. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about him more. But yeah, I don't, I I can't remember if we've talked about him on 
uh, this podcast before, but he's somebody that I always end up looking up because I'm like, wait, I know this name. Mm-hmm. Um, but he shot Silence of the Lambs. He was a DP for that. Um, he did, was uh, DP for Philadelphia, which is a beautiful movie. He did this. He did beautiful the replacements. Beautiful cream cheese, too. I, I was today years old when I figured out that a Philadelphia role is called that, not because of the city of Philadelphia, but because of the cream cheese. I'm sure it. Philadelphia is capitalized on that, though. Oh, surely. Sure, there's a sushi restaurant called Philly Roll. <laughs> if not, then maybe that's my Free ticket idea. out. Free that's, idea. That's my ticket out. <laughs> Moving to Philly. But yeah, uh, there's a whole mess behind this movie of like how it got made and like a guy lost his job over it and all this shit. Yeah. Um, but it was a $40 million budget. Uh, it was released in August of 1999, and it's a it's a tight runtime. Yeah, 107 minutes. It feels it like forever. feels like three hours. <laughs> but this movie was a fucking smash in the box office. Oh my god, yeah. It yeah, it did 293 just in the U.S. with another 379 million in out uh, outside of the U.S. I mean, for a total of 672.8 million dollars. I don't even. Know, that's not a number. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, I've never not, seen that number. There's less cash in existence, I think, than that. But. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you you throw in a blonde white child actor who is, you know, very good. Um, Bruce Willis and uh, a twist. Bada it's, bing, bada boom, baby. Yay, you made millions. Yay. Like, yeah, it's kind of it kind of felt like a formula in a way. Also, you lied to me earlier. You said this was your first Bruce Willis movie, and you've definitely seen Pulp Fiction. No, 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 no. I did not say this was my first Bruce Willis movie. I just said I'm always underwhelmed by Bruce Willis's performances. I've never oh, he's really... he's not a good actor. I've never really loved a Bruce Willis film. That's what I said. Uh, I, I like Pulp Fiction, but I kind of... I don't see it as a Bruce Willis film. No, it's a... It's a, a Grease. Danny Zuko. Uh, uh, oh, it's... um um. Um, not, he's in that movie with not, Nick Cage face off not where they switch faces John Travolta, Travolta. good lord we are both not doing well today um, yeah no it's well I kind of see it as a Tarantino movie just because it's, it is a Tarantino movie it is what I'm saying like that yeah. that's the name not that tra- I sorry I just caught that you said Tarantula <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to get to Travolta okay the name Don't of our friends play and trust, Tarantino got trust it trust the process <laughs> trust the process um I was trying to get to Travolta. We we made it there, didn't we? Hey, we got around to um, it. But, yeah, I, I'm just always very underwhelmed by Bruce Willis. Um, I think he has, like... I think he he's he's kind of figured out this voice that he can do and this facade that he can he can put on, but it's the same every time he plays a role. Yeah. Um. So and, and it just it it sells on camera, but it only sells on camera as one thing. Totally. Yeah. So he, I don't think he's like I'm always underwhelmed. It's kind of funny. He's exactly like that in real life. He's a very quiet. So I used to uh, sell him clothes all the time. Um, us and friend of the pod and past guest Matt Reich worked together for a few years uh, at a clothing shop and we would sell Bruce Willis clothes all the time. And did he, he say, keep it moving, cheese dick? <laughs> he did not ever say that Y'all, to me. <laughs> if you follow us on Instagram and you happen to see my the story that I, that I posted on Mon- Sunday night, um, this past Sunday night, that, that is a line in the movie. It's, yeah. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> Anyhow, we've talked about how what went into making this movie enough for now. So why don't you tell me what the hell happens in it? No. Okay. 
I've been Topher. That's been Nicole. We are Horror Babes. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast, on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod, and on our website at HorrorBabesPod.com. So like, rate, and review. What had happened was um, <laughs> Malcolm Crow is a psychologist for children in <laughs> Philly, and he comes home one night uh, with his wife, Anna, after he's been you know, honored for his work. He got a little trophy. Um, a little plaque. A little plaque. Um, but then this this bro breaks into their house and is like, you failed me. Terrifying. This kid has, like, no shirt on. He's, like, shaking. I, I, feel, I feel bad for him. He's clearly in mental distress. And he's like, you failed me. You and this is me. this is Donnie Wahlberg doing the yeah. most Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> yes. And so Malcolm eventually recognizes him as Vincent Gray, who was indeed a former patient that he treated as a child for hallucinations. But then Vincent shoots um, shoots him, Bruce Willis, and, and then himself before he can kind of like talk him down. So then pretty much a year later, like the next fall, uh, Malcolm begins working with Cole Sear. He's nine. Uh, he kind of reminds Malcolm of Vincent. And Malcolm has this weird um, journey where he feels like he can help him in order to rectify his failure and reconcile yeah, with his wife. Yeah, this is like his sort of like... Um, he wants redeem to redeem himself. himself. Yeah, he feels like he failed this patient and he sees... That's the hero arc of this whole movie. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I, I, Yeah. Well, yeah, I actually do like the setup of this movie. I think it's really good, but yeah. Um, so he wants to reconcile with his wife because she's become kind of distant and cold. So then we meet Mommy, um, Tony Collette. Um, <laughs> mommy, sorry. M- mommy, sorry. Mommy, sorry. Mo- Mother, apologies. Yeah. Uh, Cole, she's Cole's mom, and she's worried about him. She's worried about um, him developing his social skills, like making friends. And Yeah, he's a weird, awkward kid. Yeah. Kind of quiet. Yeah, and she she thinks that he's he's being bullied because she sees like scratches on him or right. you know like like signs of physical harm basically. Um, but then then at a birthday party, uh, little Cole is cornered by bullies who lock him in a cupboard, and he's violently screaming um, as if he's being attacked. But then he passes out because he's screaming so much. Mm-hmm. Poor kid. Yeah. Um, and then after this, Cole. He got problems. Yeah. Cole finally opens up and tells his secret to Malcolm. He sees dead people. I see dead people. Exactly. Thank you. Um, And he says that they're unaware that they're dead. They're just walking around along with us. Mm -hmm. My cat can see them for sure. (laughs) Um, And yeah. So then Malcolm totally gaslights Cole. Um, it's like, <laughs> no, I'm going to drop your case. Well, he doesn't say this to him, but he's like, he's thinking like he might need to be hospitalized because he, you know, like yeah, he's brushing he's, him he's off. About he's worried about, he's, he's worried about the same thing happening exactly. that happened with Vincent. And he, yeah, it's him being, you know, he's like, oh, I'm going to. He's delusional. This kid's going to, this kid needs to be institutionalized. He's schizophrenic. It's yada, yada. Like yeah. he can be a danger to himself or others, blah, blah, blah. Great view on on mental health issues. Thank you. Fantastic. <laughs> great such a great child psychologist. <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. It's lazy. Um, so then, after listening to a tape from a session with Vincent, 
Malcolm hears a weeping man begging for help in Spanish and then realizes that the ghosts that Cole is has been seeing are real. Duh. God, dude. Ugh. Don't you know what world you live in? Like, come on, man. Um, so then he, he tells Cole that he should try to find a purpose for his gift, which I don't think he needs to do. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, he's like, you can communicate with the ghosts and you can help them finish their business. Maybe that's like your purpose in life. And, and Cole is like, I didn't ask for this. Nah, I don't want to. <laughs> but then he eventually agrees to try to help, which again, I don't think he should have to. Yeah. Don't put that on a nine year old. Right. That's Come a lot on. of pressure for a nine year old. Yeah, helping someone reconcile like their death or like what why they're still on this earth in some form of purgatory like right. what you want me to do what <laughs> I just want to like play with like my Hot Wheels and like and get just a Furby jam out on my N sixty four you know yeah what that, Pogs oh oh my god so a demonic Furby came out. Yeah. Like, like they're all demonic, but like an act, like one that has realized its full form. I don't know if you understand <laughs> what I'm saying. It is a, it is like a fully black Furby with like red eyes. Yeah, I follow like, it on TikTok. I need it. It's the king. It's a long Furby, and it's the king king demon of the Furbies. I need it. Furbies freaked everyone out except for me. I would put that bitch in the closet, turn off the light, turn it off, put the pull the batteries out, it'd still be talking and I'd be talking to it. <laughs> I love Furbies. <laughs> wow, this has been a very revealing episode. Um, anyway, uh, Cole wakes up one night and finds a ghost girl vomiting. Ew. Gross. Hold your liquor, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> A drunk child ghost. <laughs> Yikes. It's not going there. Um, but then he finds out, after finding out who she is, Cole goes with Malcolm to the funeral reception at her home. And then Cole is directed to a box holding a videotape, which guess what? He gives the, to the ghost girl's father. And you want to know why? The tape shows the girl's mother motherfucking poisoning her daughter's food. Sheesh. Son of a bitch. Um, what, a, what a mean person. Mean mommy. Where's Tony Collette? Beat that bitch up. <laughs> mommy. Um, honestly, if they make an American, um, a new version of, of Goodnight Mommy, that mm-hmm. The Austrian film, film, yeah. Yeah. She's a shoo-in. Same directors and writers as The Lodge. She's a shoo-in. Mm-hmm. We haven't covered Goodnight Mommy, have we? No, we covered the lodge and talked about Goodnight Mommy. I believe. Right, right. Yeah. I just I love Goodnight Mommy. It's such a good we movie. Should, we it's should cover so, it. Well, let's do it. Yeah. If we haven't, I mean, we have over a hundred episodes now. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> but anyway, so, so the tape shows the girl's mother poisoning her daughter's food, which I don't really understand why. I guess the the little girl the little girl was taping like herself like like we all had yeah, like yeah. a video camera where we like did little dances with our friends. That's what was happening, right? Like that's more or the less. Reason. Yeah, it's it's she he, she sees it in the background, or oh. he sees it in the background. Right. Like it's not like the girl. Yeah, it was it, it happened to be On the case. Yeah, and recording. Yeah, but like, do we ever find out the motive for poisoning the food, or is that I just, just gotta assume it's just like it's a moot point, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I want to know. The true crime bitch in me wants to know. <laughs> Why? What's the motive, ma'am? But anyway. So because they find they find this, uh, Cole actually ends up helping because he saves the girl's younger sister from the same fate. Yeah. And he you starts. Know? this is when he's like, oh, I can do good. 
you still don't have to, Cole. You don't have to, Cole. You are nine. Your only job is to go to school. Mm-hmm. So he he actually starts to fit in at school because he's he's cast as the lead in the school play. And um, before he leaves, Cole tells Malcolm that he should actually try to speak to Anna while she's asleep to try to get through to her. And he's like, oh, that's a weird idea, but okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, so then one day they're stuck in traffic, Cole and, and mommy Tony Collette. <laughs> Um, and he, he finally tells, tells her his secret and says someone died in an accident down the road. And she's like, no, I don't like what, how would you even know that? Like all this stuff. Um, Cole is like, grandma visits me and, and says how she saw Lynn in a dance performance when she was a child giving details he could not have known. Yeah. This is that moment of where he he has to prove he's like, look, okay, I know things I shouldn't be able to know. There, there you go. Because I have a gift. <laughs> These are my gifts. I need to watch that movie. I haven't seen The Craft this year. Uh-oh. Oh, I have I have a long list. Anyway. Yes, Doesn't. you have. We watched it in April. Look, once October <laughs> hits, it's a new year. We all know that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Don't act dumb. Don't have to act. It's just true. <laughs> no, anyway, it's not. What else um, happens? Anyway, so then Malcolm comes home to find Anna, his wife, sleeping, and their wedding video is playing. <laughs> So sad. And so she starts talking in her sleep and she asks why he left her and drops the wedding ring that she's been holding. Malcolm's mm-hmm. wedding ring. And now it's all clear. It's all clear. Uh, he recalls what Cole told him about how dead people see only what they want to see. Malcolm starts to see things that he did not see earlier. Yeah. He recalls being shot and locates his gunshot wound. And then he finds out that he, in fact, died that night. And he's a motherfucking ghost. He's a ghost. He's been dead this whole time. He was dead the whole time. The whole time? <laughs> and um, the whole time he was working with Cole. And then Malcolm tells his wife that she was never second to anything and that he loves her. See, this is a romantic. It, it, it does. I do movie. tear up a little bit at this movie. Yeah. I, it does make me cry a little bit. It's like, you were always first. Oh my Shut God. Up. Shut up. Oh my God. It's so sweet. This is actually just a romance movie with it like really ghosts. Is. And then because of Cole's efforts, Malcolm's business is finally complete and his spirit departs in a flash of light. Correct. And that's it. Roll credits. Boom. So, I do like this script. And I think parts of this movie are very good. Yeah. It It is not as successful as it could be. But yeah. there's so much potential in this movie. It's a movie that I want to love and I only kind of like. I do like the idea. And it's 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 acted very well. Like, I mean, yes, yeah. Bruce, yes, of course, Bruce Willis does one thing and one thing only, right? But he's good at that one thing. Yeah. No, I, I don't want to... Um take away from that and obviously Haley Joe Osment is great Tony Collette is always stellar so yeah and it, the, the acting is very well done in this the script is good the script is good there are beats in it like yeah. the, the now the dialogue no, no but the no, script no. is good <laughs> the st- <laughs> keep it moving she's dick. dick it's a very like Nick Cage line to me it that's really why I was is, like yeah. was this written or improv it, it feels improv um, but yeah, it's what I mean, gross. <laughs> but like this, this movie has been analyzed to death. Everybody's talked about this movie, right? It's why I was kind yeah. of actually reticent to cover it. Cause it's one of those, like, we're probably never going to cover the shining because everything that can be said about the shining has been said and said better than we can do it. True. Um, 
Yeah, and like you don't need to hear me talk for. An I don't hour have a fresh change. take on The Shining. They've I, all been yeah, had. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, it's very good. And uh, Kubrick was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. That's it. <laughs> that still is one of my favorite, favorite, absolute favorite couples costumes, though. Oh, totally. Um, the twins, right? No, 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 no. But but the reason why I was okay. So what would be perfect? So I've seen two twin like greyhounds dressed up as the twins. Oh, that's cute. And then separately, I've seen you know couples costumes of Shelley Duvall and um, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah. Put those together, like if if a family of four, <laughs> you know, two dogs and like two, you know, like that would slay me. I would just be so obsessed because there's such specific and amazing costumes that everyone immediately gets, even totally. though it's technically pedestrian clothing. Yeah. Everyone but you know what it is the second you see it. You know what it is the second you see it. And I love that shit. When it's done well, I am obsessed. <laughs> I um, I had two good friends when I was in uh, grad school, uh, Emily and Jordan, and they dressed up as the twins from The Shining for Halloween one year. Spooky. Like with blood and everything. Like they Ooh. did the full gore makeup on themselves. And But it, he's like t- he's like taller than me. He's like 6'2". Yeah. And scrawny with these like long, lanky, hairy legs. And yeah. so it was really funny to see him in this like young girls clothing it was yeah. it was it was comedic but it was also very good like it was really well yeah. done anyhow back to this movie uh yeah it, it, the the script is good it, it's just writ- written really well i like the shots in this movie they're boring in a good way does that make right. sense it does feel very 90s um it's a lot of foreground focus and background out of focus like you're really keying in on the actors so that they can give these performances there's lots of tight shots there's no i don't think there's like any wides at all yeah, you kind of feel like you're watching SVU for some of it. Definitely, and it's it's the st- It's a sort of outdated style of shooting. Um, we don't really shoot like that anymore. Yeah. Um, but it was a thing for a long time where if you had an actor's movie, right, where it's yeah. all about them talking, then you it's a very transparent is the word I want to use style of filmmaking where it's like here's what I'm doing I am showing you the people talking because you should be listening to the people talking yeah and acting that's the thing yeah um like heat was shot like that yeah. except except for the action bits but like heat was literally a, the best part of that movie um is Pacino and De Niro yeah. Not being in the same room because they hate each other. <laughs> right. Those Big all of that the, all of those diner scenes were shot with stand-ins and I love that. I so my They had some disagreement years ago. Anyway. That they just can't talk out. They just will they refuse they to should get over just it. go. They should just go uh play around a golf because men are afraid of asking each other to go on walks. Yeah. I saw a meme that said that yesterday and it blew my mind. I That's was like, amazing. what? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what? so yeah, this this is like this very pedestrian style of, of filmmaking, um, and I mean that not as a not as a comment, but as something more like it's boring in a good way. Like th- that's what I mean to say is it's a it's a boring style of shooting, but yeah. it's good. And like I love Tafujimoto. Like he's he's just one of my favorite DPs. Even though I don't like a lot of the movies that he made, they all look really cool to me. Yeah, he's just he's he's a smart cinematographer yeah and the issue that i have with this movie is it's meandery as fuck it is yeah like it says way too much i would much more appreciate this movie because i'm with you the idea is 
is perfect. Yeah. I love the twist. I love all that shit. Um, but my problem is that they say too much and it's meandery as fuck. You could cut they, a good 10 minutes from this movie. I'm, I would even go as far as you could make this a two-sentence horror story. <laughs> and it would intrigue people more than this movie. And, I, and that's saying a lot because it made billions of dollars. But Not billions, but yes. It would, I'm exaggerating. Come on. Go with my hyperbole here. <laughs> Never. Just, I will always, let me have I will it. always put a pin to your balloon. <sighs> I'm 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 an Aries. I I, I, I exaggerate all the time. Um, yes, <laughs> that's, that's my toxic why. trait. That's, why. that's my toxic trait. Anyway, wow, I'm being so annoying. So I even think that this could have been, and I know that it was. It, it's kind of one of those. It's the inverse of the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. um, where Blair Witch was like was ahead of its time, but was the film that it should have been. Yeah, I have. I can't give you notes on. Wait, we covered it, but like. My notes are, this movie's a fucking amazing, and I could not change a thing about it to make it better. This one? No, no. Oh, Blair, Blair Witch. Witch. Project. This one, I feel like the idea is amazing, but in the wrong time period as well. Like, if someone had had the... Like, if this idea had been thought of now, it could have been made into a short film that could have been so haunting and so and leave people with so many questions. Sure. And this one is they're explaining everything to us. It, it Shyamalan does that, yeah. Yeah, and and that that just personally for me, I understand that it, it, it's a personal preference that I don't enjoy that type of filmmaking. Right. But I respect it and understand that other people feel differently, and other people like that sort of thing they don't want to have something that's too you know cerebral that sure which which i t- i also understand because in other genres i'm like just get the fuck on with it like, you know <laughs> just say what you fucking just say mean. what you fucking mean you stupid art film um <laughs> no i'm kidding uh but like but yeah i don't know it's just my personal preference is to not have everything said to me, Absolutely, and that's yeah. why I get you don't bored like exposition. You do yeah. not. You you hate exposition. That's why this this film bores me. And he's an exposition heavy writer. Like he is yeah. all about the expository. And you're right that a lot of people do enjoy that. Like yeah. they want to be told what's happening. And I respect. And they that. don't want to have to reach more for it. And like you, we've talked before about overwriting and underwriting. Mm-hmm. And the, neither of those is a critique necessarily. Yeah. But Shyamalan's a classic overwriter. Like he does not trust. And I, I've always put it in terms of trusting your audience. Yeah. And that's, again, it's never a bad thing. But like Taika Waititi, right? Yeah. Underwrites everything. He just lets you, he's like, you fucking fill it in. Like he trusts his audience a yeah. lot. And that's that's more of the style that I enjoy being a viewer for. But so when I was watching well, like Kubrick, this, Kubrick is a very serious underwriter you yeah. know like we just we were just talking about the shining yeah. to, to to compare it to that you have to just figure out what's going on or even better example still doesn't want a space odyssey which is a movie i love and i think it's so fucking long and it's not but it's only like two hours and change yeah. which it feels like four hours but it's because yeah. it meanders but it's that's there's almost no writing in that movie it's just yeah. like lots of wide pan shots of spaceships and shit happening yeah or not happening but like that's the that's the contrast, right? For like super trusting your audience to just be like, go ahead, or and then this is Shyamalan saying, no, I'm already kind of he's I'm he, spoon feed it, and he's already asking a lot. And I respect him for overwriting this movie because it is a big ask, right? Yeah, that you have to let your audience trust you, not the other way around. Yeah, 
for almost two hours. It's it's yeah. So it's 107 minutes. So yeah, it's a, a buck fifty, right? Yeah, yeah, thereabouts, or like an hour forty five. But you're asking them for an hour and forty five minutes to trust you. Uh, yeah, and and so I think he that's why he spoon feeds a little bit more, especially in this one, because it is a big ask. Well, it's just kind of wild because I was. Um, so when I watched this last night, I also I pulled up the Wikipedia page to look at mm-hmm. the plot, and I knew that there I knew that there was um, I didn't full disclosure I, I I I stopped looking at the Wikipedia page like a third of the way through because I didn't want to ruin anything. Yeah, I didn't really realize I didn't know that there was a twist, but I don't ever want to ruin the end. But when I so I was kind of following along with the plot, mm-hmm. the plot. It written out is three paragraphs. Yeah, thereabouts, yeah. Each paragraph in this movie took like 45 fucking minutes to get through. <laughs> and it's like, it's simple things. That's why I'm like, it frustrates me with it being like so meandery. And I, again, that's just the film style that I personally don't connect with. Well, it's, um, it's, it's expository meandering. Because like, yeah. I love a meandering movie when it's just taking time to be a movie. Yeah. Like that, that I, I love that. Sorry, but I, I interrupted you. Can No, that's pretty much all I was going to say is just like, I, I just wanted to point out the type of, you know, filmmaking this is. And yeah, like I respect people who, who, who enjoy it. I'm not trying to yuck anyone's yum. It's yeah. just not for me. And it's, yeah, I think it's just a stylistic choice that you yeah. don't enjoy. And it, it, mm-hmm. it absolutely, like it kills. Silence of the Lambs is exactly like this too. Yeah. Also shot by the same cinematographer. Yeah. But um, it's... I don't love Silence of the Lambs. I, I again, acting fantastic. It's obviously there are many reasons. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah, I will say there are many reasons to um, not like Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> yeah, but the, like, the acting is fantastic, and it. But it does. It's very. It's ex- exposition heavy, and it meanders. It takes its fucking time to do anything. But yeah. there's also meandering films that I love. Like I'm a really big fan of Terrence Malick, which is the most pretentious thing I can say. But I love Terrence Malick because he just like doesn't care about dialogue and he's like let's just make pretty movies and i'm going to tell a story visually as opposed to with words right yeah like um there was a movie of his i saw and i adored and i was such a fucking asshole about it but um the new world yeah uh colin farrell and an indigenous actor whose name i'm forgetting but it's basically zero dialogue and it's two and a half hours fucking long and i loved every minute of that just because it's this really gorgeous, pretty, artsy-fartsy fucking film that does nothing, but it still tells a story. Yeah. So that's a meander that I can enjoy, right? Yeah. 2001 A Space Odyssey, that's a meander I can enjoy. I But I'm with you on this movie that it just, I want to love it so much, and I just can't because it just doesn't, the, it's the style, it's the style, doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Yeah. I think that's fully what, I think that's fully what it is for both of us, right? Just yeah. To put that, just to put that fine point on it. Yeah, and I'm not saying, and yes, the twist is great, but that's kind of like the spectacle that it somewhat relies on. It's flashy in that way. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, do you remember when Inception came out and everyone was like, I'm not going to tell you about you. Like, you just have to go see it. You just have to go see it. So it's like, it's relying on the people to do the PR for you in a way, which is not a bad way to run things. Blair Witch Project is the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, no. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. You have to go see it. You have to go see it. Yes. It was Um, the same thing with, like, Get Out had that. Us had that. Which I do not mind at all. I love that. I love that. I love it when someone says that to me because that means that they are excited about it. Yeah, and I'm um, excited for people to be excited about things. 
Yeah. So I have nothing against that. I don't mind it. I I, I think it's great. Um, But that is kind of the spectacle that this movie relied upon a bit. Yeah. And it it's definitely a word of mouth kind of movie. Yeah. And I think all of us are like that. And we've all caught on to him now to the point that he's like a butt of a joke at this point. Uh And, you know, that's fine. He keeps he keeps pulling the same fucking trick and we he keeps making money. So, you know, the happening was really fucking stupid. The trees are trying to kill us. Um, but <laughs> The very thing that gives us life. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole like War of the Worlds thing. It's not good. Got it. Um, it's a really bad movie that I watched all the way through because I keep doing it. I keep He keeps getting me. Like, yeah. I have given him a good amount of my money, you know? Yeah. Like, I went to go see The Village by myself because I was just like, fuck it. I've got an afternoon off. I'm 14 years old. I'm just going to drive. I'm just going to ride my bike to the, the theater and go see The Village. Like, There you go. Um, but it, it, and I, that is one that I genuinely enjoy and I really enjoyed Unbreakable. That is one moment. That is a movie that Bruce Willis actually does act well in. Right. Um, it's a little bit different. It's similar character, but a little bit different. Okay. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting take on him. But yeah, I, I keep harping on this point of wanting to love this movie and I can say a little bit more about that where it, the technique is so well done here. Mm-hmm. And even though, yeah, you and I are the same, that like stylistically, Shyamalan, not a fan of his style because he is so much about exposition. He does take so much time to tell you what's happening. Yeah. And he's very much a tell, don't show type filmmaker. But yeah, like it, it, it's you and, you and I are both much more in the show, don't tell camp of loving filmmakers, right? Yeah. We love, like we talk about these people all the time, but Bong Joon-ho, Karen Kusama, John Carpenter, Sam Raimi, uh, that's that. Those are very show don't tell filmmakers. Although I'd say Jordan Peele actually is a tell don't show. Yeah, I think he's he's exposition heavy too, but not. He's visual exposition, not verbal. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, I think I think for both of us, we're much more in the show don't tell camp, generally speaking. And he's just always going to tell you and not show you. Yeah, and I mean, I fi- I, f- I find Shyamalan a, a, an interesting director, kind of more for his his morals as a storyteller. Totally. He, so, with this, uh, I have a quote from him about like about when he when he wrote this. He mm-hmm. said, "I have to be atta- I have to be attached as director, and we're going to have a one million minimum bid to like studios." Yeah. And if they want to read it, they have to know that this is going to start at $1 million. Um, he, he adds of his line drawn in the sand moment, I was 25 when I wrote it. I felt sometimes when you are writing something that no one's asked you to write, you have to decide its worth and decide how it's going to be in a kind of very specific way. It's fine if no one wants to pay that money for it. If they don't want to make it, I will shelve it. You have yeah. to not be bluffing when you say stuff like that. I wasn't bluffing. I'll do other things, but I won't make the movie. I respect I, that. If I, no, that I, as an artistic decision, you're like, that's that's where I'm at, then... Yeah. No, yeah. I, I think he... I have a lot of respect for Shyamalan. I do. Yeah. Um, I, and I don't love that he's become the butt of a joke. Like, I don't think that's fair to him. I don't think he is a joke. I think he's not a very good filmmaker. I think he's a great yeah. writer. I think he's a bad director. Yeah. Um, and not even a bad director, just like a director that I don't particularly enjoy. Yeah. Again, one of, I want to love all of his movies, and I always end up going, but. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I was in high school, I was a big fan. I actually really loved him in high school, and I just sort of grew out of him, I yeah. think. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I started watching more movies, and that's when I really got deep into film. Like I was, I was always steeped in film growing up, just yeah. because my my mom and my granddad are such big film nerds too. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I've talked about this before. But that's why I became a director, or yeah, that's why I started directing and writing was because of them and how much they just like let me have that freedom. But I have so 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 much respect for Shyamalan. Well, and I think that when it, I think that what what, what it comes down to is this if something's going to have your name on it. And just like he said, no one asked me to write this. Like, yeah, I'm going to put a number on it and it either gets made or it doesn't. Um, but if it's going to get made, it's going to get made right. Like totally. right by him. Yes. Um, and I think that that is a very, you have to, you have to have a very strong sense of self as a writer director. You, you um, and I think I love and that you said a that. a sense of worth too, mm-hmm. because I've talked about how how unfortunate it is sometimes that actors do like part of the the job of being an actor is you are kind of the face for literally the face mm-hmm. for films and and television. So if 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 it's not good, then often they're like, oh yeah, I hated that Bruce Willis movie. And you're yeah. like, he didn't write it. He didn't. What are you <laughs> he talking about? He showed up to set for two weeks. Like, and it, it did his job. Like, what I you know I. That's why I'm very specific when I say I'm underwhelmed by him as an actor. I'm not saying like yeah. I hate all of his movies or whatever because they're not like they're not really his movies. Like <laughs> I get yeah. I get that he's in them and is like a star in them, but not, you know. So but second to that, if if you know, you look at the direct the writer director, you're like mm-hmm. you're like, "Oh yeah, I, I hate that guy's movies." And that that's a little more, you know, it causes you to have a you you need to have a strong vision, a thick skin because if this had been made for less than his vision, then, you know, like... Studios are always going to try and fuck you over. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So you and have I, to stand your ground. I also love the... It got, it got bought for $3 million. He got $2 million more than his ask. I mean, it's amazing to know your worth is all I'll say about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I think that I really respect that. And that's such a good... It's a good such lesson. Important, yeah. Yeah. Such an important lesson for artists out there. And, like, I've sold stuff for way too little before. And that ends up setting your price, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I so the story about that, David Vogel is the one who bought it for $3 million, Yeah, did not get approval, got fired for it. Oh, shit. <laughs> and then Disney was like, fuck off, man. What the fuck? They fire him. Sit, uh, sell it over to Spyglass, but still keeps 12 and a half on the back end. Oh. So Disney made a shit ton of money on this movie, and they fired the guy who made them that money. Fuck that. Yeah. What the fuck? Disney's fucking evil, and Disney's always been evil and always will be evil. The bigger the corporation, the more evil. Yeah, fuck the mouse. come on. Yeah. Uh, But also hire me. (laughs) I mean, yeah. But, yeah, I mean... Power. (laughs) I would say that Shyamalan's kind of the anti-James Wan for me. Okay. Where, like, the only thing I respect about James Wan is his uh, (laughs) lack of love for his own work. You know, like yeah. I've said that before, I was like, he knows he's a, the thing that he and I agree on is that he is a bad director. Yeah. And he knows it and they just keep giving him money. And I respect him for that. Like, go ahead, get your fucking bag, dude. You're worth millions of dollars now. And yeah. you you have said that you are not worth any of that. I'm like, okay, we agree on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like, I think Shyamalan, I'm so confused about his career. Like, I'm never going to forgive him for the Avatar movie. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. To, a way to take what a perfect show. Yeah. Like a no notes show, and cast all white actors in the roles. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a mess. Um, oh my god! Like, dude, fuck out of here. But that is also the only project that he did not 
that was not like a original idea from him. It's his yeah. only adaptation. Yeah. And good. I'm glad you learned your lesson. Don't fucking do that. That's not where your strength lies. Your strength lies in writing movies that everybody's expecting a twist in. And at this point, the biggest twist, I'm not the first person to say this, but the biggest twist he could throw in is not throwing in a twist. Yes. Yes, exactly. Some people start to rely on that sort of thing. And I'm like, okay, but if we're, it's, it's this weird thing of like, if we're expecting the twist, then is it really a twist? Uh, you get into this like really weird um you know circle of life (laughs) (laughs) back to disney full circle Uh, of life they also stole that movie um they stole everything come on and now nobody can make you know um anything (laughs) we've talked about this before but that's it you go listen to any of our past episodes where we uh, trash disney for taking public domain and copywriting it which shouldn't be legal but somehow fucking is loopholes yeah lawyers so no but i i do want to love Shyamalan. i don't i don't love him but i respect the fuck out of him because he just keeps trying to do this thing and he's gonna get it right one day and i'm right there with them i'm like yeah you go man like i root for him every single time and i'm always disappointed but i'm not like upset with him about it i'm like God, it's like um, in Dragon Ball Z when you're just waiting for them to become, become a Super Saiyan. You're like, you're so close. I can see you do it. I know you're going to do it. And they don't, and they don't, and they don't, and they don't, and then they finally do. And I'm waiting for a Super Saiyan moment because I think it's coming. That's beautiful. I, 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 I get excited talking about him. It's a beautiful sentiment. <laughs> but he's like, because he's a filmmaker with no great movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? He doesn't yeah. have like, Unbreakable I think is his best was this? I'm curious about the awards for this. Was it nominated? Yeah, Did it, it was win? nominated. It was nominated for six uh, Oscars, Oscars. I want to say, and a few Baftas, but I don't remember. Not here. that awards I, I, mean no, anything, they they but mean I'm nothing. Curious. But uh, let's see. So it it was nominated for best picture, best director, best supporting actor, best supporting actress, best original screenplay, and best film editing for Oscars. It didn't win any. But it I'm sure was, there was one that swept. I, I don't know. I what have year, to. I have to look and see yeah. what year that was. Um, it's kind of like what happens is like if a movie wins one of those, it kind of ends up winning most. Of yeah. Those. Well, I mean, uh, Haley Joel Osment was one who was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and Tony Collette for Best Supporting Actress. Mommy. Mommy. Oh, it was American Beauty. Oh yeah. Okay. Of course, yeah, it was American Beauty. Course. I was like, what That's came out in 1999? One. Because Best Picture was American Beauty one. Cider House Rules, Green Mile, which is a oh, great movie. Yeah. Um, the Insider, uh, which is Michael Mann, right? And then Sixth Sense. And then it was Sam Mendes, Spike Jones for being with John Malkovich, which that should have won. Um, That's a great movie. It's so good, and I love Spike Jones. Yeah. Um, Cider House Rules, Insider, Sixth Sense. Uh, oh, and Hilary Swank won for Boys Don't Cry that year. Oh, okay, so this was a very, very famous Oscar year. Yeah. Like... Of of the clips of that Oscar that I've seen, like Hillary Swank's um, acceptance speech, yeah. and American Beauty winning. Okay, this was yeah. Like Kevin a big Spacey year. won. Russell Crowe was up. Yeah. Richard Farnsworth was up for it. Sean Penn was up for it. Denzel. Yeah. Hillary Swank and Up Benning, Janet McTeer, Julianne Moore for the end of the affair. She's fantastic in that. And Meryl Streep for Beauty of the Heart. Okay, yeah. Heart. This was this was a big year. Michael you know? Kane, Tom okay. Cruise, and Magnolia. Like Michael Clark Duncan for star-studded event. Jude Law for Talented Mr. Ripley. Like oh, this is this was a star-studded like not star-studded. But they always duh. are, but but like this was a. There really, are some years that are bigger this than was others. Angelina Jolie winning for Girl Interrupted. You know, Catherine Keener yeah. was nominated for being John Malkovich. 
Okay, so this, this is, is a this is a Chloe big... Sevigny for Boys Don't Cry. Like this was a fucking. The list goes on and on. This is a tough um, year. Yeah, that's a tough year because it's these, an honor to just be are, nominated. It, it, truly, this year was like an honor to be fucking nominated because good lord. Thank I'm you for through. seeing my film. <laughs> this is also one of those. This is one of the. I, I did know this movie or this this year for the Oscars because you you and I talk about all the time. Yeah, they should be five years later. Yep. Um, so it's a reflection on what's actually the best and not all of the like press about it. Yeah. This is one of those years where I'm like, I have a hard time disagreeing with the winners here. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it could have gone to anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. I have a lot of opinions about the Oscars and awards mean nothing, but it's also like, fuck. I mean, coming, this was, 99 was a great someone, year for film too. Yeah. Like, coming from someone who's, who's like background was Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, making his kiss. Like, come on. It's my, it's my profile photo on WhatsApp. It's a, it's, it's everything. It is everything. But yeah, I. Th- this movie is so close to being great. And I think all of his movies, most not all, but most of his movies are so close to being great. Yeah. Just none of them make it. Yeah. And that bums me out. But I'm rooting for this guy. Like I, I, yeah. I, I believe one yeah, day, bro. M Night, when if you're listening, what's up? Let's talk. But uh, if if. One day he is, I think, going to... He's either going to never make a, be- a perfect movie or he's going to have one that is just going to go down in history. Like, yeah. he's that kind of filmmaker. He can. He's either going to keep making these almost there but ends up being mediocre movies or he's going to, like... Yeah. No, truly, truly fucking kill it. I feel you. God, Charlie Kaufman, Paul Thomas Anderson, Mike Lee, Alan Ball... Like, fuck, dude. Sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, to have to drag you away from the Oscars now. We, we've moved past it. I understand. I know. I just... It, yeah. I, 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 that's, I, that's a note I want to end on for it. Is yeah. That, uh, that, we're, that does we're it We're rooting for, me. for you. We're all rooting for we're you. We're all rooting for you. But yeah. So you guys know where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on yes. Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. Also, and yes. we have a little website, horrorbabespod.com, yep. where you can find all of the information you could ever want to know about us and more. So, and uh, thank you guys for listening to Ghost Stories Month. We've got one more episode yep. coming at you. Maybe a little bonus episode in between, but we've just got one more, and then it's time for Halloween. Cha. Yay. Um, but anyway... Stay safe out there. If you're enjoying us, give us a nice little rating review on iTunes. We so appreciate it. And we so appreciate hearing from you guys. Mm -hmm. Our DMs are always open. Yeah. Till next time. Bye, Bye, babes. Yeah, babe.